Welcome back to Pine Apart Podcast, and today we are joined by Martin Carruthers, the current Ilkeston Town manager. So let's get on with the video. So thank you very much, first of all, Martin, for coming on the podcast. We'll uh, start right at the very beginning of your career, if that's all right. So just having signed for Aston Villa, well, Aston Villa, and then sort of getting that serious leg break, being told that you'll never play football again. How do you cope with that and then going on to recover and playing over 500 games professionally? Yeah, it was it was, it was was bizarre, really, because, you know, I had my heart set on playing for Nottingham Forest. Got released in the April. Um, had a trial at Bolton, Mansfield and Scunthorpe. Um, got offered deals at Man- Mansfield and Scunthorpe. Um, didn't get offered anything at Bolton. And then this Aston Villa thing came around. So, you know, obviously then to... To, to break my leg, you know, um, sort of a trial game. And then um, I remember it like yesterday, I, I'm in the hospital, on the hospital bed, the doctor comes up and just puts the, 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 the x-ray up and said, that's your career over. That was it. I just remember just bursting into, into tears. I just didn't know, didn't know what to do. And, you know, in fairness to Villa, the, the Dave Richardson and Bobby Downs, the UT coach at the time, they didn't have to, take me on but he did they still honoured the deal um, and it was a tough first six months you know trying to get fit seeing all the lads you know out training you know it was really difficult and you know um, I remember when I did start playing again and the physio at the time Jim Walker who was a different class he said you know he said if, if I'm honest I didn't think he'd ever play again he said you know really? some, some senior pros would never have recovered from this I know technology's improved now but you know, um, yeah, just hard work, determination, bit of luck, and uh, yeah, the rest is history. Yeah. What age was you at Martin? Because I imagine that must be terrifying for such a young lad to hear that. Like you say, you've got your heart's hopes and dreams set on becoming this professional athlete, and then being told that. How old was yeah. you at the time? I was only fifteen. I was um, an August birthday. So I think it. I think it was round about. In fact, no, I broke the broke my leg on the day my uh, one of my younger brothers was born. Um, nineteen uh, May nineteen May the twelfth, nineteen eighty eight. Yeah, so I was fifteen, and uh, yeah, and for the doctor to be so cold and, and calculated like that, uh, it it was horrific. So you know, I remember going home and my mum just saying to me, oh, "Don't worry, you know, I'll get you a job in the casino." And I was like, all oh, right, that's, that's all going to be good then. That's it. I'll be a croupier for the rest of my life. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. But yeah, it was, you know, I can't thank Bobby Dad and David Richardson enough because, like you say, it would quite easily have said, you know, um, stay at home and then, you know, come back further down the line. But that, that rehabbing the gym and building the strength up and being around the lads was, was so important. Yeah. Yeah. I, think, I would imagine it would make you. Yeah. Sort of value your, your career even more, having had that that horrific injury right at the start. Almost, yeah. almost every I mean, I mean, being being thankful that that you had the sort of will and determination to get back. And because yeah, I mean, obviously messing up the, the the chance at Nottingham Forest, and then getting another chance. You know, determined to prove Forest wrong, determined to prove the doctor wrong. You know, I am I am going to make it. Yeah. You know, and it, it's it's for any injured player. They'll tell you that the loneliest times are in that the gym on your own. But obviously, when you're a young lad who's never even experienced full time football, yeah. you know, 
it, it was horrific when you see the lads getting ready to go to the games. I was still going to the games, and the hardest thing for any footballer is, you know, you train all week and then you've got no no carrot at the end of it. So, but it was difficult. But, you know, I had a great support network, and uh, it all worked out in the end. Yeah, pretty much word for word there. What you were just saying, Martin, is what Ben Thornley said, isn't it? Because I don't know if you remember Ben Thornley was at Man United. Yeah. Obviously, he had yeah, horrific injury ACL. Before I mean. Me and Josh have had an ACL and we were only out of action for about six months, but back then it was a bigger deal, wasn't it? And yeah, it was, yeah. You, you described it much yeah. like you, just very lonely and draining. And it, Let's make it a more positive then. So coming out of that, did you immediately feel stronger then after your leg break? Did, was it an easy transition back into training and everything? Or? No, no, it certainly wasn't. And, you know, I remember uh, trying to get fit again you know, miles behind everybody else in terms of, of fitness and, and coming back into training and being a million miles off it, my torch, everything, serious lack of, of confidence. You know, the, the other lads were, were moaning at me. Obviously, I was, if I was in, on their team, you know, I was, I was seen as the weak link, yeah. you know, the, the stick and, and, and the banter. And, um, you know, I, I remember there came a point where I came very close to, to walking away. Um, uh, training was just just not going well. And I remember coming in after training one day, and, and Bobby sat me down. He was like, "How do you feel?" And I just I said, "I feel like crying." I just said, "I, I I've got no confidence. I, I don't think this is for me. I'm not fit. You know, I'm not playing well in games." And he was like, "Look, go home tonight, sleep on it, go back to your digs, come back in the morning." Um, so I said, "Look, you know, um, I spoke to Dave." We'll, we'll give you two weeks off, you know, um, go, go away for two weeks, go back to Nottingham, you know, see how you feel. If you want to call it a day, call it a day. If you want to come back, we'll give it another go. So I went back to my digs again that night and I thought, if I go back to Nottingham now, I won't come back. Yeah. yeah. You, know, um, you know what? I'll give it another go, you know. I wanted this opportunity. I'll give it another go. And um, I remember we'd, we'd got to the semi-finals of the... Um, a big competition, just one down from the FA Youth Cup. It was called the Southern Junior Fudlick Cup. And we've got Brentford in the, the semi-finals. And uh, I remember coming on sub uh, about 10 minutes to go, went, went into extra time. Uh, and I remember scoring this goal from about 35 yards, top corner, um, and everything just, just changed from then. I was a hero to the lads, got us through to the final. Confidence just went through there and... And that was it. And that was, that was the turning point. But I'd gone back to Nottingham. I would never play football again. And I just just by staying and then scoring that goal in the semi-final, getting us to the final, confidence just picked up and everything just went went yeah. from there, yeah. Probably like a mental thing as well, I guess, believing in your body again. And was mm. that the moment when you scored that goal, you think, yeah, I'm the I'm the player, I'm still the player I could have become anyway. And that was well, the thing that gave yeah. you the lift that made you believe in yourself again, was it? A massive lift. And then the, the, the great thing about football is it always come back, crashing back down with a bump. So I can remember us going back on the, the coach that, that, that night to Birmingham. And uh, I remember Bobby saying to, to all us, right, everyone's off tomorrow, apart from the subs. <laughs> so, <laughs> so next day, I remember next day, it, it was class, Bobby. And next day we went on a, a, a big cross-country run, had, had a good chat or whatever. You know, it was just saying, you know, this could be the, the turning point. He said, I'm absolutely delighted for you. You know, great confidence boost. You got to the final now. You've earned some respect from the, the players. He said, you know, use this now as your, your springboard. And 
you know, I did. Yeah, that's amazing. It's really inspirational as well. I bet there's thousands of footballers who, who can relate to that and, and probably a lot who are injured going through that time right now who, who could probably use those those words of encouragement. And it'll yeah, definitely. It's, great. You know, it's, it's, it's the hardest thing in the world, but, you know, you, 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 my driving force was the, the rejection from Forrest, the coaches, mm-hmm. the, the, the words from the doctor, you know, the, the, the lads bantering me in training said I was not good enough. You know, sometimes you know, it's after, you know, you can either crumble or you can you can stand up and fight. And, and that's what I did. Absolutely. Brilliant. So then you moved out on loan to Hull, which we'll cover a little bit later. But uh, you did sign for first division side Stoke, who finished 10th. You featured quite heavily in that team. Was you surprised that Aston Villa let you go at the time or, well, you did move to Stoke. Was you surprised that you didn't get sort of more first team games at Aston Villa before going out to Stoke? Yeah, I mean, I, I've, I've, I've spoke about this with friends and family in the past. And, you know, if I had that opportunity again, you know, I, I would never have left. You know, wow. who in the right mind now would turn down a two-year deal at a Premier League club who just finished second and pushed Man United to the to the title. It, it was more stubbornness than, than anything, you know, and one that I I regret to this day. You know, um, it was it was foolish. And uh, all I wanted was a bit more money. And it was just, you know, big, big runs, big runs, arrogance, um, the way he dealt with me that, you know, um, ultimately ended up signing, signing for Stoke. And it, I, I still have my doubts about signing for Stoke. I mean, I, I remember um, obviously going into to, to, to see Big Ron and speaking about the, the contract details. And uh, one of the other lads, Ian Olney, I said to I didn't have an agent at the time. And, um, you know, well, he's offered me this. What do I ask for? He said, "No, no, no. You don't ask for anything. Just say to him, make me a better offer, right?" So, um, big Ron, top manager. I'm like, he said, "What do you want?" I said, "Just make me a better offer." He's going, "No, no, no. You need to tell me what you want." I was going, "No, you need to make me a better offer." He was like, "Get out of my office." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Shit! Just going nowhere from Nottingham for that. What the fuck do I do now? Like, fuck you know. Great advice. Like, cheers, mate." So, um, <laughs> so anyway, I've come out of the office. I've, I've, I've drove back to to Knotts, and uh, anyway, he's, he's phoned me up a couple of weeks later. Said, you know, we want you to sign. Come back in for talks again. And in that time, I'd had, had a phone call from um, from Lou Macari at, at Stoke. So um, I went over and met Stoke. They just been promoted to the, the Championship. Showed me around the ground and stuff, and. We had a good chat, made me an offer. It was a, it was a, what I thought at the time was a decent offer. Went away, you know, to think about it. It was another two weeks later, nine other clubs were ringing up. Um, and I was just sort of playing it by ear. So anyway, I went back into to Stoke to speak to me. He said, look, we wanted to sign. So we agreed a deal. Um, I was going on about signing and um, Lou was like, have you, have you seen the uh, Neil Baldwin story, Nello? No, no, no. no you don't, you don't come across that well. Um, uh, Nello was a kit man, like uh, uh, a great guy to to have around, and um, Lou used him really well. So anyway, he said, "Look, if you sign now, he says, um, I'll pay for a, a, a an holiday, you know, for you and one of your mates." I was like, oh, "Fucking hell!" I'd not been, I'd not been away. I didn't have any fucking money then. I was fucking skinny. <laughs> uh, <laughs> 
Fucking hell. I was like, what, can I go anywhere? He said, yeah. He said, Nello, take him to the fucking estate agents or whatever. So he walked up to the, the estate agents. So anyway, fucking uh, ended up uh, getting a one-week uh, trip to um, Ibiza. So I run one of my mates, my best mate, look, you fancy a free trip to Ibiza? He's like, fucking hell, yeah, we'll have some of this. <laughs> so uh, he flies out to, to Ibiza. Anyway, I've, I've rung over a couple of times and my mum's like, fucking hell, there's all these clubs ringing for you, blah, 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 whatever. And uh, anyway, I'd, I'd, I'd signed the form for, for Stoke. It was obviously a fucking an, an illegal signing. So anyway, when I, I had doubts, when I flew back, when I got back to the to the airport, um, a couple of mates had come to pick me up. I was like, oh, there's some, some guy fucking um, looking for you. I was like, well, who the fuck's this? And uh, it was the, the chief scout from, from Stoke. Because I'd signed in June, I must have got back on like the 2nd of July. He was waiting at the airport for me to fucking sign this, um, <laughs> sign this deal. <laughs> anyway, so I've signed it, gone back home, and I have all these phone calls from all these football clubs. I'm thinking, oh, fuck's sake. <laughs> you know what what have i done and, and inside in eyesight you know i would have got a bit more money at villa but i, could have, I should have signed a two-year deal at villa i could have got out on loan to to stoke you know he, he did like me big one he gave me my debut you know it was always it was always good to me but it was just his it was just his 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 arrogance and you know in my my last talk with him you know i knew i was never going to be a at that age you know a first team regular mm. Was like you know, this is a good offer for a reserve team player. And I was just like, <laughs> just come on, come on, the last game of the season, you know. And uh, but yeah, that was. Um, I look back now with regret on that. And but, yeah, you know, you live and learn by your mistakes. But my ultimate plan was, I'd seen Andy Cole go to Bristol City. He was a Nottingham lad, smashed it in the Championship. Got his move to Newcastle. That, yeah. yeah, I'm going to do that. That that was that was my mindset. Going to go yeah. to Stoke and tear it up. Get a Big money move, but yeah, it never happened. <laughs> Makes some bollocks though to walk into Big Ron's <laughs> office and go, I want more money. <laughs> make me an offer now. Yeah, Ron. I would go <laughs> make me an offer, Ron. Oh, no, <laughs> I, you know what? And sometimes you, you cringe at some of the things you do. And uh, I remember was playing Derby away in the, uh, in the FA Cup. And it was always superstitious in the FA Cup. And I remember we um, FA Cup third round, Tottenham were a top club then. We went away at Tottenham, I was on the bench, ended up winning 1-0. So the league games, never in the squad or involved, but every FA Cup game I was on the bench because he yeah. saw me as a, a, a lucky omen. So anyway, with, uh, with Derby away at the baseball ground, anyway, I'm subbing before the game. I, I was a little bit chirpy and cocky. I said to him, I said, just letting you know, I'm just pointing out there that um, every time I've played there, I've scored. So he's like, so in front of all lads, he's like, right, I'm changing the team. We're going to start fucking cruising score here every time. Just having some banner or whatever. I remember getting, I remember getting on in that, in that game. It was 4-3. Dwight, you all got a actually trick. It was, uh, yeah, it was unbelievable. Yeah. But, but the lad said to me, you know, you have to, you have to give him some to get his, to get his respect, you know, all, yeah. guys all over it. So, yeah. So if, if you could have a minute back with your younger self, your advice wouldn't be? Tell him well, to make a better offer. No, no, no. And, and again, in that era, you know, the money started to, the money was still good, you know, in terms yeah. of what the pay was. But, you know, a lot of the senior players, they, you know, they'd say to you, get as many moves as you can, get as many signing on fees as you can, you know, yeah. move from club to club. That's how you make money. So that was sort of, that plant was seeded when I was 16. Yeah. 
So, you know, I look back now and that obviously it's not the greatest advice because, you know, you know, the, the more you stay at a club, you, you, you're all, you'll always get financially rewarded. You know? Yeah. That's yeah. one thing I wanted to ask actually about agents. Do they want, do they have your best interests at all or do they have their own? Because you see like Paul Pogba's agent coming out saying he'll never play for United again. You know what I mean? Is that in the player's best interest or is it just all for themselves a bit greedy? At the end of the day, you have agents who are friends with uh, different chairmen, different football clubs. You know, um, I don't know if you've seen the, the stuff about Mark Halsey and the referees now and things like that. And, you know, with agents and, and the backhanders and, you know, I'm going to make more money if you go here rather than there. So, you know, mm. was, I wouldn't say now, but, you know, back in the day, there was some very unscrupulous, you know, people out there just out to make money for themselves and not looking yeah. after the best interests of your yeah. your career and you know unfortunately in my case i was given some some bad advice yeah i always think the best agents are the ones who you've, you've never heard of Definitely. <laughs> you shouldn't hear an agent should your agent shouldn't be the the star <laughs> of a transfer if a player wants to move or if a club wants to get rid find them another club but don't the news shouldn't yeah. be about the agent i mean i mean don't get me wrong you know agents have been have been massive for the game and yeah you know, the, the, the players have you know certainly deserved more money when they sort of took took a foothold into the game yeah. because clubs had all the, the power and they'd get you for as cheap as you can. And, and yeah. Yeah, that's just business and, and economics, really. Yeah, absolutely. So joining Peterborough followed, well, who was in the second division at the time, weren't they? And uh, I think they got relegated that season. What was the feeling yeah. like around that team? Because you had some good players like Craig Ramage, Matthew Etherington, A.D. Boothroyd. Was it quite a low point? For you, obviously, playing in such high divisions and high hopes, what was that like? Well, well it was mad because, you know, um, I'd, I'd left Villa out of contract. Um, obviously, I signed a two-year deal at Stoke. I ended up being on a non-contract at Stoke for two years. Because I was under 24, I couldn't sign for another English club. I could have gone, gone abroad. I did go and, uh, and look at two or three clubs abroad, and, and it never happened. So... Um, and I remember my last game for Stoke was, was away at Arsenal in the, the older League Cup or Carling Cup. Mm. I came on at so I think we got beat 5-2. Um, and I was just sort of getting back from injury and, and fitness. And they did, they did offer me a two-year deal, Stoke, and it wasn't bad. And I just wanted to, you know, a few finer detail, details to iron out. And it just wouldn't, they, they weren't budging. So then Barry Fry, you know, he, he came in for me. So um, I, I met Baz, the character. So anyway, I, I signed for Baz. That one had to go to a tribunal, and uh, it was funny because I, I'm driving down to to Peterborough on the way. Uh, the day that I've signed, I've got the local radio station on, and all I can hear on the radio is that um, the assistant manager and first team coach have been sacked. I'm like, fucking hell, what the fuck's going on here? So um, I've got to the ground, uh, training ground. All the players are there. I've walked in, and they're like, fucking hell. So basically, your fucking money. Yeah, you've got the fucking assistant manager in the first team, Coach Sacks, and now we've fucking got you. Who's going to take you? <laughs> so, uh, turned up, Baz is not even there. So, we've got nobody there. So, we, we just sat around. The Baz has turned up, filled every, everybody in, you know, in uh, with what's going on. I remember he starts talking about when we brought Carruthers in to, to score goals. We're not scoring goals. So, anyway, he set up a training session. No goalkeeper said, so We're not putting a goalkeeper in because I want to get you your confidence up. So the session was you started on one end of the pitch, 
dribbled it up to Baz on the halfway line. He laid you in on goal. You'd go through and, and score. Ten, ten shots in, nobody's fucking scored. <laughs> <laughs> He's fucking doing his nut. He's I'm like, what the fuck is going on? What have I done? What have I, <laughs> what have I signed for? Really? They can't even fucking score with no goalkeeper in. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, that that finished. And, um, yeah, that, that season, you know, and... Um, I know, I know we, we were struggling, but around the Christmas period, we went on a real, a really good run. And um, uh, myself and Scotty out, and like I say, uh, Matthew Everton, um, Andy Edwards, you know, we had some really, really good players. Mm. I remember over the Christmas period, we went away at Millwall on, on Boxing Day, and um, we won 2 1. And I remember I popped my shoulder, dislocated my shoulder. And so that set me back for like three or, three or four weeks. And then both me and Scotty out and um, needed double earnie rocks. So I remember us having those. And then in that time, we just end up getting relegated. And, we, and I, I honestly believe if me and Scott out would have been fit, we would not have got relegated and, and everything else would have would have changed. And like you say, when you, you're helpless, you know, and then obviously he wants you back in the team, trying to get fit to, to get back in the team and, and to save him. I mean, Scotty, he'll quicker than me. And, uh, you know, Baz was hammering me saying, oh, God, he's fucking fit and you're not. I'm like, <laughs> My body's different, Baz. You know, you know. But um, yeah, we, we got back towards the end of the season, but it was it was uh, it was too little, too late. But we did have a, a real good side. I remember one of my first well, it was my first game. I think it was about three or four games in, and we played Burnley, who were top of the league at the time. Adrian Heath. And, um, <laughs> five nil. A eh? five nil. No, it? no, no. It went five nil. I think I'm it sure was. Always Peterborough five nil around that time. <laughs> I'm a Burnley fan, you see. So you no, that. no. Are you a Burnley fan? Yeah, yeah. No, no. And um, scored two anyway. We beat you, beat you three two. And um, I remember the following uh, deadline day. It was like stay, stay by the phone. He said we've, we've accepted a bid from fucking Burnley. That's mm. why so off. You know, happy days. You know, blah blah blah. <laughs> Run me back an hour later. He went fucking uh, Adrian Neves got as assistant manager at Everton. I was like, fuck it, yeah. now. Yeah, and, and that was the end of that one. Damn, that was yeah. a That had probably been because around that time we just sold Kurt Nogan to press. That's right. And I bet yeah. I think we ended up getting Paul Barnes. So they'd have probably Barnes might must have been second choice after you. Well, I, well, I was probably second choice in it. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we were going to say we've got Steve Guinan in instead, and we've had oh, him. Oh, Steve Guinan, bloody hell! Yeah, we yeah. did get him. In, didn't we, we? we had Steve a couple of weeks ago on the pod. Um, <laughs> But yeah, that's what a story. It's probably, like. a, it's probably a good job you didn't go to Burnley because you were absolute fuming about it. Really. Yeah, <laughs> he didn't do his time there. Time that way. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. Like I say, I mean, I, I, I would have gone to to, to Burnley in the shop. There you go. Selfish, Adrian Eve, you know, to going to Everton. Why would he do that? Why? <laughs> we'll ask him when we get him on. Him. Yeah, ask ask him when you get him on. Yeah. <laughs> Is there, um, because I'm always curious about that. It's, it's intriguing to know sort of transfer that nearly happened. So you say one to Burnley there. Is there any others throughout your career that that nearly happened that didn't? Uh, Jesus Christ. I mean, uh, God, I, when I was at, um, could have gone to Port Vale. Um, I know when I was at Stoke West Ham were watching me. No, I mean, all this is hearsay and, and, and talks from, from agents. You know, when I was at Stoke, I could have signed for Fortune and Sittard in, in Holland, and, and another one where I should have probably gone 
throughout my um, development, mm. aside from Preston, Wigan, um, yeah. you know, Knox County, you know, there's, there's, there's loads and loads, but like saying, it's just like, you know, being in the right place at the right time and, yeah. and everything happening. But yeah, I, w- I would have signed for, for Burnley in a shot, yeah. yeah. So you have played around the, the divisions. Do you notice the difference in quality when you're playing? Do you notice like it's quite a severe difference from Premier League to sort of first division and second division and so on? Yeah, I mean, you know, when I was at Villa, you know, you have this persona that you're a really, really good player and you have, yeah. you have that arrogance. And yeah. it wasn't until I went to Stoke that I realised that I wasn't as good as I thought I was because the better players you play with, create more chances for you, you know, better communication. And, you know, at, at Villa, I might get, you know, even in the reserves, you know, you get four or five chances a game, you know, you might score two. You know, whereas at Stoke, you might get two chances a game. If you don't score them, you know, you're shafted. So, again, yeah. it's, it's that understanding, though, that the players can see your runs quicker, that they've got the better quality to, to, to thread you through on goal. And the lower you get, the harder it gets, unfortunately, because people don't see that picture quick enough. And like you say, any player who's playing at the top level, playing with a, a David Silva or a, I still love Ozil, an Ozil, you know, he'll, he'll look in the back of his head and still reverse pass it and put you in on goal. You know what I mean? These players are, are, are that good. And it's just something I didn't appreciate, you know, at the time when I was younger. Yeah. I think you see that quite a bit, don't you? You see, like, a, a player might, might have played in Premier League for 10 years and then they'll go and think oh, I'll, I'll drop down a division and and you just see him sort of struggle and they only, they only tend yeah. to last a couple of years or so yeah it, it, it's, it's amazing yeah it's really common you know yeah. someone who gets like 25 30 in like league one for example like i don't know billy sharp maybe a bad example because he has played in the prem but i've always had the opinion that a player like that if you stick him in a team that does create a load of chances when he was in his prime mm. it's still bag like yeah 100% and yeah. I think it's a really good point Martin makes though when you think I'm not saying it's all the midfielders fault as you get lower down but you know they're the ones who create chances putting it putting it away it is a gift isn't it it's something you yeah. just know where the goal is you know the dimensions of the net you're not going to miss you're not going to mm-hmm. fail really if you've got that knack you've got it whichever division no yeah. like so I, I remember when I went to um to Peterborough there was a lad there called um Derek Payne, he was he, he was a, a, a lad, Cockney lad, great lad. He'd always played under Barry Fry at Barnet and stuff. And, you know, he reminded me of a, a Gordon Cowens. He was in training. He's one of them players you could never get near. However you wanted to smash him or get... And I'd say to him it, before training, mate, I'm going to get you today. And he'd just always find a little a little gap. And, and him, well, when I was having a, a good run at Peterborough, you know, he'd, he'd be pointing me, telling me where to run. And he'd just put it, put it on a plate for me. Yeah, you know the players like that are few and far, you know between. But like I say, that the top level and you drop down, you don't get those. You make those runs, and the, and the passes half a second too late is getting cut out. Yeah, and they're the fine lines there. That that's the difference between you know the top players and the, the not so top players. Yeah, I suppose on the flip side of that, then you see the players who rise up from conference, like your Jamie Vardy from mm. wherever we're at to Fleetwood, up into now being at Leicester you sort of realise then how good them players must actually be to have sort of risen up through them divisions to still be performing sort of five divisions either. So Yeah, it's mad. I mean, like you say, you'll see a lot of 
of young players who, who end up drifting out of the game because at 2021, you know, they're used to playing good football, they'll, they'll drop into lower league or, or to non-league, that football's gone and they just can't find their feet. And, and it's sad because there's that many talented players who, who drift out of the game purely because the, the, the levels of football and the standard or the players around them are not on their wavelength. And it's not because they're bad players, it's because the other players, you know, are, are not on their wavelength and, you know, it, it doesn't happen from unfortunately. Yeah. I think nowadays as well, especially in your sort of lower football leagues, your League One, your League Two, and, and even your Northern, uh, so your, your conference, you, you, those those teams can't afford to take a chance really, can they? The, the budgets are sort of that fine. And we were talking, I think it was Gareth Davis that we had on um, a couple of months back now, and he said he still sort of plays Sunday League. And he, he can see players now who are as good as some of the ones that they had at Chesterfield at the time, but the budgets are that fine and there's that much at risk. They just... <laughs> they can't, can't take, to take, can't take gambles. And like I say, I know myself, you know, looking at, from a non-league perspective, there are, there are a load of gems out there, but you know, manager at the start of the season, he's got his budget. If his budget's done and tied up, then you get a couple of injuries. You've yeah. got to get some players on loan, then you're going over budget, then you're getting grief from the, the chairman. You know, you have to get it right. And unfortunately, we know in football, you know, you don't get time. But apart from, the, you know, the main man, Dietrich at Burnley, who's done an unbelievable job. Yeah. No, but, you know, the few and far between. And if you make a mistake with a couple of signings, you, you're out the door, you're sacked, you, your job's over. So it's it's, it's really difficult. It's fine lines, you pressure from the fans, pressure from the chairman, you know. It's, it's, it's a tough job. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure you've seen loads of these as well. So I've been to a, a Jimmy Bullard stand-up night. And yeah, yeah, he, Jimmy, yeah, different class. Yeah. He was he was telling me about all the sort of pranks that he used to play with, like Razor Ruddock and a couple others. And we had Warren Barton on as well. And he was saying uh, he used to do the same with the Crazy Gang when he were at Wimbledon. What's the sort of craziest pranks that you've seen in football as well? I'm sure there's Great. been. <laughs> oh, oh, Jesus Christ! Yeah, there's been there's been loads. Uh... Pranks. I mean, I, I'm just thinking about one of me at, at, at Peterborough, and um, I just bought a brand new um, Escort convertible. And we're going back some years now, yeah. Bright <laughs> <laughs> um, blue it was. Anyway, I've turned up in the car park, you know, hood down, lovely sunny day. Yeah, come back after training, it's just overflowing with fucking leaves. <laughs> Who was it? And at the time, I, I actually, I did, I, I lost, I lost the fucking plot. I, I <laughs> Absolute gone. My brand new fucking car, it just fucking leaves, just all out of it. The, lad, the, the, the lads are fucking absolutely fucking crying. So, um, I'm trying to think who it was. I, I can't remember, but fucking, uh, you know, if I'd have caught them at that time, they would have been, yeah. <laughs> you look back at it. It's great banter, and uh, another one from uh, from Peterborough. There's a lad called um, Darren Roberts. Mm. I think he's in Australia now or, or New Zealand. And we had a driving driving school together. Anyway, I fucking cut his socks up. Um, fucking one day, just little, just silly little game. You know, you cut the ends out of the socks. You put the fucking sock on the foot goes. <laughs> Childish, but you know, it's it's funny at the time. Um, Fucking, so um, anyway, driving up and down it about fucking four weeks fucking later, we're in my car or whatever. Fuck is that smell? Driving every time I'm driving, I can smell fucking fish. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? 
Well, anyway, fucking one day it was horrendous. And I see some fucking smoke coming out of the fucking engine. I've lifted it up. The fucking Daz Roberts had put this big fuck off fish and <laughs> battery. Right? It'd been there for about four weeks. There was all fucking maggots coming out of it. Oh, <laughs> oh God. Absolutely, absolutely horrific. And I ask, every time I speak to him, every now and again on social media, he like, always reminds me about it. It's like just. <laughs> Just crazy, crazy little pranks like that. Yeah. Are we know. never coming up to you going, is car all right? Is car all yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. They go, <laughs> no. They go, yeah, yeah, there fucking is. I'm like, fucking hell, they could have fucking blew me head off. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a patient prank, that, isn't it? That's that what is. Yeah, yeah. Not going to read that. But it weren't that. I just opened my eyes and saw these big fucking eyes staring at me. I was like, <laughs> It was just the smell, and, I, and obviously sometimes they was in the car, and they're fucking oh, crying because I'm going, what the fuck is this smell? <laughs> they, they knew me, and they, they couldn't play. And then uh, um, Adrian Boothroyd um, at Peterborough, and this is where I got the nickname fucking Gandhi from. <laughs> Finished training one day and just got out of the showers, had a white towel around me, and it just had to start wearing glasses. It was only 26, so it was getting slaughtered off the lads. So fucking around, I put his fucking glasses on, trying to take the piss and get some banter. And he was like, you look like Mahatma Gandhi. <laughs> you fucking what? And I fucking hated it. And, and that has been my nickname name for 20, 23 years now, Gandhi. That's, everybody calls me Gandhi. Love it. I, did, I, did I think that's what your Twitter is. So yeah, I, I did want to. Yeah. Oh, Gandhi man. Yeah, yeah, Gandhi man. That's it. <laughs> Anybody calls me Martin now, I don't acknowledge it. I, I won't accept it. <laughs> <laughs> So I sent an invite for this out. I was like, Gandhi man. What? Yeah, Gandhi man, that's it. That, that works certain. That, that's a true story, that. And when I left Peter for Darlington, I was like, right, <laughs> fucking get rid of this fucking nickname now. I don't <laughs> like it. As soon as I walked in the Darlington dressing room, all right, Gandhi. Always <laughs> <laughs> have been straight on. And like you say now, everybody calls me. Gandhi. Yeah. Man. A.D. Boothroyd to thank for that. A.D. Boothroyd to thank for that, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, so I did say that we'll touch on the sort of loan situations and whatnot. So you've been on loan four times, once with, with Hull, York, Southend and Cambridge. What is that feeling like for a player going out on loan and the sort of conversations you have with your club before you head out on loan? Yeah, I mean, initially when I was at, at Villa, obviously I was playing in the reserves and... and Big one called me up and he was like, Look, you know, a couple of these clubs want to take you on loan, it'd be a good e experience for you. Um, you know, to get some first team football. I remember speaking to, to Hartlepool and um Hull at the time. And uh Hartlepool um you know, chucking goal bonus and this and that at me. And the, the reason I signed for Hull at the time, there was um, a lad who used to play for Villa, Dave Norton. And he was in he was living in Nottingham at the time, mm. and he was like, Well, I drive from uh, Nottingham to well, every day we, we'll get in and, um, the car school and like you say um, uh, I went over to, to Hull and to be honest it was a, a fantastic three months you know came across Dean Windass you know it was great to you know to get in a bath with him and him having a shit in it and you fucking running for your life <laughs> <laughs> absolute absolute madman um, yeah and uh, another nickname I picked up there was, was Mad Dog you know, uh, they, they sort of 
fitted me into this structure straight away show took me on a couple of nights out and at that time i was drinking and you probably don't know you're probably too young um md 2020 so that's that's all i would that's all i would drink so you know you know that Luke. Yeah. I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mad, so that was it my my nickname at Wolf city was mad dog <laughs> I absolutely caned 2020 at you. Oh, it was class, like, weird. You know, the orange, um, orange one, orange juice, whatever it was. The bottle's oh, weird. Like that. Yeah, yeah, that's it, yeah. Um, yeah, like three pound a bottle in Kirk still just out. Oh, it's cheap as chips, weren't it? And it battered you, because it was basically, yeah, yeah. it was like orange wine. It was orange. Obviously grew up in a castle state like me, didn't you? Brought well. <laughs> <laughs> From Burnley, so you should <laughs> was talking about my loan moves weren't we so yeah um yeah then, like you say obviously I, I only went to get first team football and and uh and went back to to, to villa and big ron and uh it was it was funny because i was speaking about big ron and his arrogance and, and stuff like that so i got back i think it was in january february or whatever and i was training with the, the first team no, I, I don't know. I don't know what I did. I thought I was training all right, and he stopped the fucking session. He was like, "Carruthers, I'm not fucking having this." Like, what's up, Gaffer? He went, "Fucking what's up?" He said, "Fucking just because you've been to fucking Scarborough for three months, don't think I'll fucking send you back there." And I was thinking, I was like, "It was all Gaffer." He went, "Shut the fuck up." <laughs> <laughs> he knew exactly. He knew exactly what it was, but it was his way of fucking sort of yeah down a, a, a peg or two. Yeah, uh, no, I had, a, I had a great three months there and um, you know, scored some goals. And you know, at the time, he had some good players. It was like, say, Michael Lee Jenkinson, Dean Windass, um, uh, Gary Brown, Dave Norton, Russ Wilcox, uh, Alan Fettis. Um, yeah. No, that's very good. good yeah. Mm-hmm. So, last thing before we go on to a, a little quiz, if that's all right. So, skipping ahead. To now with Ilkeston, how was it going from playing and sort of getting out of being a player to then going into management? Is it something that you've always wanted to do, go into management, or did you pick up your badges as well along the way as being a footballer? No, and um, you know I look back now and, and you cringe. I remember um, I was at Lincoln and you know, last season at Lincoln it wasn't great. I mean, I the great man Keith Alex- Alexander. And um, uh, I remember, you know, going in at, I knew I was going to get a new contract, I was 33. It was like, look, you know, um, we really like you, you know, you ever considered coaching? You're not going to get a deal, but would you, would you consider coaching? I was like, no, I'm not, I'm not fucking interested in that. No, I've got no interest in coaching. And I didn't. But when I was at Lincoln, you know, I don't know how it happened, but I was taking all the, all the training and stuff. And the lads loved it. I was like, yeah, you should become a coach or whatever. And I was like, no, no, no. And <laughs> inadvertently, you know, Big Keith, I think, was trying to offer me the youth team job. And I look back now, I'm thinking, fuck, you know, what an idiot. You know, I could have got my foot straight into a youth team job and then you're already on the, yeah. the pathway. So anyway, I left Lincoln and decided to, to go part-time, do a foundation degree, get a teaching qualification. But obviously, while I was doing my teaching qualification with foundation degree, I did my coaching badges as well. So then I was like, you know what? I want to get into... To football and and um, coaching and management and yeah, I absolutely, I absolutely love it to bits. It's 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 totally different to to playing. You know, I remember when I did my first coaching badge and you know you think it's easy to get up and, and 
and talk and, and, and coach and see things, it's, it was terrifying. Mm. When you play the game for so long and you actually think, I can't coach, I don't know how to put a session on. It, it's, yeah. it, it's, it's bizarre. And a lot of players who go into coaching, they do a couple of sessions, they go, no, can't do it. it it's not for me. And it is, it is difficult. It is mm. it's stressful. But like I say, it's, it's what I love and, and what I've always wanted to do. Have you found that you've taken bits from all your other managers then, Martin? You know, people always say that. I always wonder if there's any truth in it. Do you, like, do you come in one day thinking, I remember Ron Atkinson being like this? Or Keith I always take it's, it's, Some of it's down to the man management. Obviously, times change. Some of it's, it's sessions. But, you know, what you find is a lot of the top managers, they don't, they don't coach. It's, mm. they've, got, they've got a lot of good quality coaches you know, do everything for them. They just have to manage the players. And, and in today's day and age, that's the hardest, hardest thing. Managing players, keeping them happy, keeping them on side. How are you going to get the best out of each individual? You know, and that's a, that's a skill, in, skill on its own. And like you say, and, you know, I have a total respect for all the, the managers, particularly the Premier League managers now, because when you've got multi-millionaire prima donnas, you know, how do you manage them? How do you manage players who've got everything? Who, you know, who've got no... No worries. So you know, it's 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 a tough task. We might say with the media attention now, it's 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 so hard. But yeah, um, I end up getting my coaching badge as well as doing my um, teaching qualification and degree. And then I just sort of fell into um, uh, a team called Arnold Town. Um, I only went there as a player. And the manager got the manager walked away. I ended up getting the player manager role, and that was it. I've been stuck stuck in there ever since. <laughs> How did you find it as a player manager for that brief period? Because we've, we've actually had uh, Robbie Simpson on recently, who's yeah. obviously a player manager at Chelmsford. Um, and we had Mark Robertson on, who's a player at Burnley. And he played under Chris Waddle, who was player manager. And it's been very interesting to hear how that's gone. It's been difficult from what they've said. I'm wondering how that brief time there was for you as a player manager. What, what was that like? Really difficult. I mean, after I left on, I went to a team called base with town and ended up being player player manager there and I think that the balance is always that player manager relationship and yeah. as a player I've always been one of the lads you know great personality bubbly out for a drink and it's 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 then drawing that line you know mm. I've even had my yeah. my brother play for me you know and I've had to to get rid of him and it's 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 so hard but you know that's that's football See Nick laughing there, you know, it's not nice when you go for Sunday dinner, mate, and you're getting grief off. <laughs> I've got to say, them conversations must be so weird. Playing? Why are you not playing him? <laughs> He's got three <laughs> brothers, so I'm just thinking, like, imagine, <laughs> imagine that situation. Yeah. What more do you want me to say? <laughs> you can't not play football, get out. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, you know, and on the exterior, you know, it's it's you have to put on a front, but you know, I've had some of my best friends who I've had to, you know, let go, and at the time they don't they don't speak to you for a couple of months, but you know, in time, you know, I'm just doing my job. Yeah, you can't you can't have room for sentiment in in football. Yeah. If I do, one because you're my mate or you're my my brother, people are saying you're only playing because yeah, friend or family. So you tend to you tend to be an order on on people yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah it, it, it is so difficult. And I say it's that, that boundaries because I say when you're on the pitch, you're a player. That's what you take to players. When I'm on the pitch, I'm a player. You know, when I'm on the sidelines, I'm a manager, and it's a different relationship. 
if you have to tell me to fuck off on the pitch, I won't take it inadvertently because, you know, we're playing, emotions are high. Yeah. yeah. As a manager's standpoint, then there's a different borderline. But on the pitch, when I'm playing, it's players' rules. That, you know, that's how it has to be. That's what yeah. Chris Waddle's That's what Robbie, Robbie said um, when we were talking to him as well. He said he really struggled because he was sort of trying to do both. He was trying to be the manager and then he was struggling in his position as well. So I think I think the only way to possibly do it is to do that, separate it, give, give it to your assistant, I imagine, yeah. while you're playing. And That's what you have to do. So I used to say to my assistant, you know, you do the team talks at half-time, I'm a player. Just yeah. merge with me. If I see anything, I'll pass it on to you and you relate to the players and that's, that's how it has to be because you can't see the old picture. No. No. All right, Josh, I'll let you go through your Pro 5 quiz. Yeah, so every guest that we get on, we just do a little a little five five quiz five question quiz about your career. Um so we'll start straight in. Uh, number one. It's all about me, by the way, yeah. All about you, yeah. Everybody does that. Um so number one, you made four hundred and fifteen football league appearances in your career, scoring hundred and ten goals. For which club did you score the most goals? League goals. League goals, yeah. Scunthorpe. Is correct. Do you know how many? You don't that's not you've got the point. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I know I know I scored 147 goals in total, that's it. That's all I yeah. know. Uh you got 34 for Scunthorpe, the next two highest 26 at South End, 21 at Peterborough. How, um, so yes. how was your time at Scunthorpe then, Mike? Because like, like you say, it looks like a successful goals to game ratio. They had a good time. Yeah, no, it was, it was a really successful period. You know, I think we got into the playoffs a couple of times. Uh, good FA Cup round. I remember we got Leeds in the FA Cup third round one one year. So it was a really, really good times. Yeah, it was just only, only down the side. We had a really good side. We had Peter Beagery in that side, Steve Torpy, uh, the Archers, Matt Sparrow, Alex Conger, Garcia. Uh, and we probably were, we should have, we should have, probably in that team, we should, probably should have got all of that information. Yeah. Brilliant. Um, so, you received one red card in your career. Can you remember who it was against? Again, this is, uh, this is on, uh, on league, league games, I believe. League? Um, no, the only, the only red card I've ever had in my career. I've never, never been sent off, no. I, did, I, I got sent off for Grand from Town, if that's, on the on the list, but no, never had a straight well, red. There was a red card for Bar for Southend. Oh, oh no, no, it's no, no. Hold on, let me tell you the story. <laughs> <laughs> no, there is a backstory, but it's still a red card. No, right. <laughs> I'll tell you. I'll tell you exactly, exactly what happened. Um, yeah, it was Barnet against Barnet. Uh, I remember it like yesterday because it was something came up about it. So um, Greg Eild was was a Barnet centre half. I was a teammate with him at Peter Blank. was obviously a big derby, and um, he scored an OG. And I remember running up to him and, and rubbing his head like that. Oh. <laughs> right? oh, so he's he's flipped. So he's, he's turned into like a twenty-two man brawl. So anyway, he's got sent off, I've got sent off. I'm like, what? what? So I've got sent off for rubbing somebody's head. He's throwing <laughs> his bombs everywhere. It's all kicked off 
in the tunnel, into the dressing room. So anyway, we both got sent off. I've appealed it and I actually got mine rescinded. So I'm not I'm not taking that on my record. I actually I, it got it got turned it got turned from a yellow uh, red to a yellow. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but you got you got bought it anyway, so you, you got the point. You got the point. <laughs> uh, but yes, officially, in the yeah, record, no, no, I'll take that. Yeah, no red cards. Yeah. <laughs> um, so most of your league goals came at Scunthorpe, as we've said. Who did your first Scunthorpe goal come against? Carl United. It did, and there's a bit of a story with that, isn't there? So, so was it four games you went without without scoring? Four games without scoring, yeah. Did, yeah. did you did you feel a, a sense of pressure building there? New club striker? No, no, there was there was, there was a sense of pressure because um, you know I, when I went there and it wasn't I was getting chances, but everything seemed to fall on my on my swing of my left foot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was a, a, a massive uh, for any striker goal confidence, and like I say, the first one's the, always the hardest to get. Yeah. You're off your arse, all you need. You can take <laughs> out, you know what I mean? So. Uh, yeah, yeah, I remember that call out at home, yeah. And is it just like, a, 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 as soon as the ball hits net, like a weight off your shoulder? Oh, you just, just the relief, just the yeah. the manager has brought you in, you're just buzzing for, for everybody. It's like, say, you know you can score goals, but it's just getting that one, getting yeah. it on next. Yeah, sort of monkey off your back, like they yeah. say, and then, and then good to go. Um, okay, so from the research I did, you never scored a Football League hat-trick. But you went very close on multiple occasions. How many times did you score twice in a game? Was it 11, 14, or 17? Oh, wow. We put That's some research in on Pine of Pine. Don't let anyone wow. think we don't. That's some tough ones, I'll tell you about an actually that I got nicked off me, actually. Um, <laughs> Jesus Christ. I would say I've scored a lot of braces, so I'll, I'm going to go for 17. It is 17, yeah. Um, was it? I, th I think some play. I know Cristiano Ronaldo's famously talked about at United. He only scored one hat trick, and he must have scored. There were one season where he scored about twenty braces. So was it something you were bothered about, or was it just? Oh, oh, oh massively. You know, just in the youth teams and reserves. You know, he scored four, five in a game and yeah. hat tricks, and it was it was something that really ate away at me. Mm. Like you say, you know, the score two, and then you get chances to. Get an hat-trick and you miss it, and it was just something that you just always thought would come. I remember um, Stoke v West Brom, 1994. It was live on TV. Mm. Anyway, I scored, I scored two, and um, late on, Goldman scrambled, and I'm on the floor, towed it. It's going over the line, and Paul Pescalino's on the line, and, and nicked it on the line. And I'm like, you've got to give me that goal. He was going, no, 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 I'm, I'm happy. I'll be off the goal bonus. I was going, no, I just want the fucking hat trick, mate. <laughs> goal bonus. I just want the hat trick. I want that fucking ball signed and job done. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Celino, Derby legend. Yeah. yeah. Celino. Yeah. He's another striker, though, isn't it? I can't imagine. I can't imagine strikers are going to give up goals too easily. Um, and like I say, the times I've had a brace. I say you know, in reserve games, three, four, five goals, and yeah, it was, it's, it's something that you know I would have liked on my. Yeah, well, it's not it's not a bad goal scoring record anyway that <laughs> that you have got to be fair. If, uh, if, we, ever get, if we ever get Pesky on, we'll make him 
we'll make it. No, just tell him that he, you know he cost me my only hat trick. We'll get on to dubious goals as well. We'll get we'll get you that hat trick. Hashtag get Gandhi's hat trick. <laughs> get me that. I want the match ball. <laughs> um, right, I think you're four from four. Um, so question five, and it's a, a management question. <laughs> We've not had a manager on, so. Um, not had, a, not had a chance to ask one. Um, so you currently have the joint top scorer in the Northern Premier League Division One South East. That's a mouthful, isn't it? Leading, uh, leading your line in Alex Troke. How many goals has he scored this season? Oh, league goals. Um, I, I believe so. If I'm going to go four. Oh, it is league goals. Yeah, because he's top scorer. Is it, is, it league, league. Is, it, is it league goals? And I always have my strikes when I say to him, how many goals you got? I know, you should know. 12. Oh, it's eight. It says it may be. Eight. eight. Oh, that, that must be, that must be, that must be as well. <laughs> he's got eight, he's got eight league goals in seven appearances. So he's not doing bad. No, he's, he's, he's flying to be fair. Is he, um, so you got, I wanted to touch on that as well. Have you got some, uh, some rising stars? Do you think at Ilkeston, some who could, could go right? Yeah, yeah, we've got, we've got, we've got some good young players. I mean, I've got a young lad, when I was at Basewood United, uh, we sold well, we didn't sell him. We, we he moved to Norwich on a two and a half year deal, and then he obviously got released, and now he's come back to me, Cole Lambert, mm. Zach Goodson, another goal scorer. Um, uh, we've got another, a right back, Joe Wilson. Um, but we've got an academy uh, with around yeah. the 23s and stuff. So there's there's two or three. Some pro clubs are watching at the minute. So um, I think now you know with the Jamie Vardy and. Uh, obviously, Che Adams, he went from, from Milkiston. Yeah. Yeah, he yeah, was a product of Milkiston. So I think there's a big eye on, on non league. Mm. Players out there that could make that step up. And I think now, like I say, with the, the money in the Premier League, they can afford to take chances now on, yeah. Yeah. on uh, some of the players. I think, I think that might be one thing that this whole COVID thing maybe brings because the money is going to be even tighter. So I know I know we've said they can't afford to take a gamble, but they might have no other choice but to to mm. dip into the lower leagues where where players are going to accept a lower contract because they're just desperate. Yeah. For less, um, less, some might be no fee, you know, and a lot less money. So, yeah, I think it's a way forward. Yeah, absolutely. I, th- I think players do deserve a chance because everyone we've spoke to who, who knows the lower leagues just says that, like you've said, there's so many... So many gems out there that, that are just crying out for that opportunity. So. I mean, there's that many players now coming through the academies. There's always going to be some that slip yeah. the net, the late developers, you know, the ones that just shoot up. And like I say, a lot of it's done on the, the birthdays now. So because I'm an August birthday, you know, clubs won't even look at me. Mm. Because like I say, they, they want the, I think it's the September to November, you know, September to December that are the, the main pick because they're the develop more, develop quicker. So. Yeah, that's crazy. It is mad, but that's amazing, Martin Gandhi. You have been an absolute. That's it, Gandhi. Do not call me Martin. No, (laughs) Gandhi. Thank you so much for your time, mate. You've been absolutely amazing, and best of luck for for you and for Ilkeston for the rest of the season. Brilliant. Send me the link when it's done. Yeah, we'll do, mate. Thank you very much. Bye. Gandhi, man, wasn't he an absolute legend? Absolute legend. Right, we're very sorry for the poor video quality, but if you'd have listened on Spotify, the audio would have been absolute perfect. So let's start off with our score predictions and starting with Burnley against West Ham. Luke, what did you make of that one? 
Yeah, we played absolutely terrible, really, in the game. Although saying that, we only lost because I don't know if it were Ben Me or Tarkin. Either someone didn't shout, or the uh, well, I think Tarky didn't shout, so Ben Me tried to get his head on it and took it away from Tarky. He would have cleared it. It was a game of no chances, but they took the one they had, so no complaints. Cool. Man United, Liverpool, Josh. Uh, yeah, it's a point I'd have snatched your hand off for before game. Um, but when you have two best chances in the match, it's a bit, it, just a bit disappointing, um, which shows where United have, have come from. If you're disappointed, we draw at Anfield, but they, they're, they're really in trouble. Obviously lost last night to Burnley. Um, yeah. Amazing. I'm loving every second of it, but for a Liverpool fan, I'd I'd really be regretting how how hard they went last year on on mugging everyone off and, and claiming they had the best team in the world. <laughs> right, lastly then, Derby Rotherham, and you could definitely tell that Derby had not played as a first team for a couple of weeks, not trained. And then we had one training session before the game and the intensity was so slow. It was just a very poor performance. But then Midweek we put it right against Bournemouth and we look like a quite a dangerous team that I think we'd beat three out of the top four teams in championship. So it shows where we can be. So yeah. right, we'll get on to this weekend's predictions and we'll start with QPR Derby. Luke, what do you think the score will be? Ooh. QPR aren't that in fact, I think that'll be a draw. One all. Josh. Yeah, I'm gonna say draw, but now I think Rooney will I think you'll take that win from from midweek against Bournemouth and follow it up. I'll go two one Derby. Cool. And I'm gonna go for one nil. And then West Ham Burnley, Josh. It's not West Ham Burnley. I don't I don't want to butt in, but can I just say? Nick, I just shit myself because I thought the back of your chair was some ghost woman stood behind you. Carry on, Josh. <laughs> You're absolutely right. It's not that was last week's and it's Fulham Burnley in the cup. Fulham Burnley, right, okay. FA Cup, yeah. Luke. FA Cup. Yeah. Um oh, I don't know, because I think both teams will make changes. Oh. I'll go with a draw. And someone winning on penalties. Board draw. I'm going to go for 1 0 Fulham. Oh, yeah. I'm going to go 1 0 Fulham. So you've got 1 1. And Luke. Yeah, I think we'll go out. I think Dash don't give a toss about the cups in general. <laughs> and I think he'll probably think, you know, let Fulham tie themselves out. I bet he'd like to take it to extra time if Fulham think they'll put bigger names out maybe than we would. And try and tie him. I won't be surprised if we leave a bit in on their players as well. That's genuinely what the type of tactics we'd do. Yeah. <laughs> I don't mean that in a negative. It's what it's what a winning manager does. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll go one. I'll go one all, and then they'll beat us on penalties or extra in extra time. One or or nil nil Ooh. nil. <laughs> we ain't scoring. <laughs> <laughs> Not two games. And then two games on trot. Liverpool, Man United, twice in two weeks. Oh, fucking hell. All right. Just carry on. <laughs> oh, God. 
can't hear us, can he? He's gone. He's back. He's back. Carry on. That's all. Right. Nick. Yeah. Go. Liverpool, Man United again. Back to back in weekends. I'm going to go for a Liverpool 2 0 win. What do you think, Luke? Uh, I don't know. I think it'll be nil-nil and then it'll be penalties or something. Gosh. I think there'll be a bit of rotation in both teams, which I think will probably suit Liverpool more than United um, because their first team does look absolutely shot at minute. Um, I've got a feeling that we'll go out and I'm not really too fussed. Full steam ahead, Premier League. Um yeah, I think it'll be a draw and extra time or penalties or whatever it, it is. Um, so I'll go 1-1. One, one. So both think it's going to be a draw. Yeah. Right. So we've been Pine and Pint Podcast and make sure that you're here with us next week for a very special story with Conor O'Keefe. Ooh. We'll see you next week. Ta-da. Bye. Bye. Pie and a pint. Pie and a pint.